0: Hello and welcome to episode 108 of Grow With Soul. Today I am answering a couple of your questions submitted on Instagram earlier this week. I've grouped together a couple of questions that all had a similar feel. Knowing what you want and making it happen. So we are talking about manifesting, knowing if your goals are the right ones, picking yourself back up after disappointment, choosing yourself and your dreams and dealing with challenges. There are some juicy questions in here so let's dive in. Question number one, what are your thoughts on vision boards and manifesting? So this is an interesting one. Because my thoughts on vision boards and manifesting are quite layered. First of all, it feels to me that there's a lot of unacknowledged privilege in the discourse around this kind of thing, and that people who talk about manifesting, all that kind of thing, don't really take it into account. So, someone like me, who is a white, pretty middle class, able bodied woman with no dependents, will come up against fewer struggles and hurdles to manifesting my desires in inverted commas than say someone with caring responsibilities or a black woman or somebody living on benefits. A lot of what I've seen written about manifesting is mostly by women with my kind of privilege saying that anyone can do it and that just kind of feels not true. So that's my first thought my second thought is that the biggest problem for me with vision boards of manifesting is it can make you feel like you're doing something when you're not doing anything it's easier to cut out pictures from magazines or do a new moon spread or do a manifestation ritual than it is to do work that's hard (laughs) and I know that there are definitely manifestation people out there who say that you have to do the work to make it happen but it is a very very easy crutch to lean on and just kind of leave it up to the universe and have your board and tell yourself you're trusting the universe when really what's happening is that you're too scared to take action and you're not kind of digging into that fear and making things happen anyway by just saying well it's up to the universe it's out of my hands. Because ultimately, saying it's out of my hands, this can really become another way we give away our agency rather than making aligned goals and standing in your own power and trusting yourself to make things happen. You follow someone else's rules and scripts about how to basically magic up your dream life. And if it doesn't work, it must be that you didn't do something properly or you failed or you didn't trust the universe enough. Anything that locates our ability to achieve outside of ourselves just makes me wary and uncomfortable. All that being said, though, (laughs) I do believe that there are greater forces at work here. I think it's arrogant to believe that the realm of human understanding is as high and sophisticated as it gets and certainly if you're running your own business for a number of years or you know like me you had a pretty tumultuous six months in your personal life these things reveal too many coincidences and serendipities for there not to be something greater going on. I would just say that my relationship with and understanding of the universe is kind of more organic than formally trying to direct it or ask things from it but more just kind of being at one within it I suppose so I did make a Pinterest vision board once but I just didn't really know what to do with it And the idea of making a physical one actually feels kind of stressful. Like, how do I know which pictures to choose? What if there's another magazine out there that's got the most perfect picture? And what if none of these pictures in these magazines are right? And I think that's probably likely because I'm a bit too literal with it. And also that I'm more of a words and lists kind of person than I am a picture person. But I also just felt like, what's the point of this? what is this actually going to do to get me there? And there was also a period where I dabbled in consuming manifestation content a few years ago, but I found that a lot of it really boiled down to be very clear on what you want and make a plan that's very clear to get it and also ask the universe. And which to me is sort of just like doing stuff. But what I don't want to do... As I really don't want to kind of shit all over it because most of all I believe in doing whatever works for you. So if your vision board keeps you focused and empowers you to work towards your goals then that is absolutely amazing. If your rituals of manifestation keep you going and make you feel like you've got this then that is absolutely awesome. These things can be so good at focusing us and helping us put our attention and energy in the right places for us. And as people say, where your attention goes grows. So as long as you're paying attention to it, no matter what it is that's directing that attention, that's going to help you work towards things. But also I'd say if it isn't working for you, it doesn't appeal to you or it, it makes you feel like you're doing things all wrong. It's definitely fine to take your agency back and accept it's not for you and just work on finding the things that you want without all the manifestation stuff. Okay, question number two I find it so hard to break my goals down into bite sized, time driven pieces. Any tips? So this sounds to me like something I quite often see with my clients, having a lot of long-term clarity about the big goals and where you want to go, a lot of short-term clarity about like this week's to-do list, but then this huge big gap in the medium term of how you're going to get from where you are now to where you want to be. So perhaps rather than trying to go straight into the bite-sized actions, start with bigger portions. So for example say one of your goals is to buy a house, well actually to make that happen you will need to have x amount of money in savings. So then what needs to happen to get x amount of money? Perhaps you set an income goal, create a new offering, cut back on some expenses. These become your medium term goals which you can then start to more easily break down into those bite-sized pieces. Sometimes our goals are are too big or not quite specific enough to turn into actionable pieces. So if you're struggling with goals that are a lot more vision-based about how you want your life to be, try translating them into a SMART goal. So specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time-bound, because they can help you be more action-focused. The key thing is really measurable goal that can help you to really see more clearly what the actions could be as the question mentioned time specifically I'm wondering whether it might also be a struggle to know how long things take and that can be quite daunting as well and there are two approaches here which you can combine together So one is to time track a little bit so that you know what is realistic for you. So if it takes you roughly an hour to write 500 words, then you can use that to work out how long writing your 5,000 word course is going to be. But also the thing with time is that you get to decide here. I quite often speak to people who don't start things because they don't know how long it will take. Well, just decide how long it will take. Use, use your time tracking information to be realistic. But if you want to have it done in six weeks, then you get to decide that it's going to be done in six weeks. Like it's all within your power for that to be done because you're the one doing it. You're not at the mercy of time. You have control here and you can get it done. And lastly, just to throw a spanner into the works with this question, I would ask whether your goals are what you truly want. So I see this in myself and with clients that the inability to get down into the nitty gritty of those big goals can actually be resistance to something that's not quite right. If that big goal is not inspiring you to start taking that action or making a project plan, then it's not inspiring you, full stop. I know that I have set big goals quite often to be honest following someone else's process or like listening to a podcast or something and then I've set those big goals and I've never never wanted to work on them and that's not what a true goal is supposed to do it's supposed to excite and inspire and make you desperate to get going so maybe looking at those big goals and asking does this feel truly like me? is somewhere else to start. Did this goal come from inside of you or outside of you? Does the life where you've achieved this goal feel like a life you actually want to be in? Or is there something else inside you that's asking to be set free? Question number three is how do you find the courage to try again after a failed launch and she's put in brackets zero sales just to really hammer the point home and for me this is all about reframing and being kind to yourself I know that you've probably taken it a bit to heart and it's hard to not take it personally and I know that it makes you doubt and I know that it feels like a failure but you've you've honestly got to look at this like it doesn't matter because it doesn't It doesn't matter. In the grand scheme of your life, even in the grand scheme of your year, this is not going to be a defining moment of it all going wrong if you don't let it. Part of doing things, part of being in the arena, part of taking risks is that not everything will work the way you want it to. I've had things make zero sales, I've had things not sell as well as I would like, I've had content flop, you just have to let it not matter and move on to something else. That is really one of the key unspoken skills of being a business owner, the ability to decide it doesn't matter and to move on quickly and reiterate quickly and just move on from it because it is a choice. You can choose to make it mean that everyone hates you and your business is going to fail and give up or you can choose to say, well that didn't work but what will? It doesn't have to mean anything about your business unless you let it. Choose creativity and choose curiosity. There are so many reasons above and beyond your rubbish why it didn't sell this time. The format wasn't quite right, the pricing or the timing, the launch timeline itself, the messaging, the channels you use to market, the amount of marketing, the list goes on and on. And these things will give you some answers to make your next iteration of whatever you do better. And also listen to the language I've used as I've been talking about this. It's not all failure and doom, it's possibility and it's optimism. And that's the language you've got to use to yourself too. You've got to decide it doesn't matter and move on to the next thing. One of the reasons why people worry so much about getting zero sales is because they worry what people are going to think worry that people will know and therefore like the trust in your business will be broken and it's all very embarrassing and all that kind of thing actually in this way no sales is better than one or two sales because no one's ever going to know no one needs to know unless you want to tell them that you made zero sales it's only you that needs to come to terms with it and as far as the rest of the world knows it can all be going swimmingly So just take that part out of it as well. It's between you and your business and not anybody else. And lastly, you know, the worst has happened now. That's it. You know, that's the worst that can happen. Zero sales. The worst has happened and you're still standing. Yes, it stings and yes there's going to be a bruise for a little while but you're still very much alive and you still can very much do this. You've not lost anything, you've just not gained anything this time. Well in fact you know what, you now know what doesn't work and that is very very useful to putting you on a path that does. It doesn't have to mean anything so don't make it mean anything. Question number four, how can I cope with the disappointment of my husband not having the same vision of the future? I'm desperate to move out of London and he wants to wait until the kids finish school. The way that you've asked this question, the language that you've used, how can I cope with the disappointment I'm desperate to move, suggests to me that you're in quite a bit of distress about this. It doesn't sound like you're disappointed but you get it. It sounds as though this is eating away at you and you can't live like that. Ultimately, this needs to get to a place of open communication between you and your husband where you can clearly communicate that this isn't just about a move. It's about your well-being as a human and that it needs to be taken seriously. So some time journaling or writing or just talking to yourself around this might help you to refine what specifically it is about London that's making you feel so bad and help you to name the way you do feel in order to help him understand and also you understand and ensure that it's a productive conversation because you deserve to thrive and your family deserves a mother and a wife who thrives you getting increasingly miserable is not going to help or serve anyone. It is not a solution for you to just put up with it and be unhappy for the next 5, 10 or 15 years. The best solution for your whole family may not be leaving London right now this second, but the solution is certainly not whatever you're currently doing that's making you so unhappy. It's going to cost nothing to just look and think about it. It costs nothing to spend an evening on Rightmove, to do some sums, to Google schools in a new area, hell, to to look at the affordability of you all spending weekends and holidays out of the city for a while. It costs nothing to just see what it might look and feel like to entertain changing your life slightly. And in this process, you can make a good, better, best plan. We can be so all or nothing when it comes to decisions like this, like we're either completely in London or we're completely out of London. But look at the shades of grey. Where are the compromises? What would significantly improve your life? Where are the middle grounds that even if they're not the dream, they'd still be great and a vast improvement? This is your life, have your say and make it heard. And in the meantime, also spend some time and energy exploring what it might look like for you to be able to thrive independent of your external circumstances. So believe me, I know how it feels to be in an unbearable living situation that feels like it's crushing you. But if you change that situation and you're still not at home within yourself, nothing really changes. You go with you. We can't rely on where we live or who we're with or what our jobs are to bring us happiness. We have to be able to source that internally. So what can it look like for you to thrive in spite of where you live? What do you have control over that you can change or do differently? How can you Wake up every morning and choose yourself. And our final question for today is, what is your biggest challenge with your business? The answer to this question will change depending on what week you ask me. (laughs) In this and in recent weeks, it's focus and motivation. In episode 106, I talked about how I'm making a pivot and I'm therefore finding it hard to get excited about my short-term to-do list when my head is kind of already out the other side in plans for 2022. I'm struggling how to know how to do things anyway in spite of low motivation and how to reconnect to the excitement of it all. But you know... At the beginning of the year I'd probably have said my biggest challenge was knowing what to do with having too many ideas or continuing to stay buoyant with work when under a lot of personal stress. In previous years my challenges have been prioritising health and well-being and self, time management, Clarity of direction, like just my overall sense of self, that was all a challenge. Which is all to say that challenges are a part of it. Running a business is psychological and emotional whack a mole. <laughs> you think you've got it all sussed, and then something else pops up, and you've got to deal with that. There's never a point at which it's going to be easy, and never a point you're going to get to where nothing bothers you or nothing challenges you anymore there is always always going to be something which isn't a reason to get depressed but I think it's a reason to relax a little bit I think we can white knuckle so hard to try and like fix some challenge in the hope that afterwards we'll have no worries but there's always going to be another challenge and so Instead, kind of thinking of the long game and imagining, you know, your your business is a road filled with bumps and potholes and rickety old bridges, and navigating the road is the work. It's not what's getting in the way of the work. So rather than driving along terrified and worried and keeping stopping to getting out and trying to fill up all the potholes just enjoy it it's part of what makes it magic and it's the views the views are really great that's why you're on that road (laughs) and that's what makes it all worthwhile you can find the show notes for this episode on my website at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast and you can find me on instagram at simpleandseason. If you have a friend who you think would enjoy this episode please do send them the link and share where you're listening online too. Until next time I hope you grow with soul.